Year after year, U.S. News ranks a variety of different diets and how they line up in regards to promoting health. There's one diet that stands out from the rest and is constantly being ranked at number one. Specifically in regard to its supposed anti-inflammatory benefits. So today I want to chat about what it means to promote anti-inflammation and whether or not this is a priority that dancers should be considering. I'm a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and specialist in all things related to food, nutrition, and well, wellness for dancers. I'm here to teach you not only how to utilize food as a tool to support your performance, but also to do so in a way that is most supportive and sustainable. Year after year, U.S. News ranks a variety of different diets and how they line up in regards to promoting health. There's one diet that stands out from the rest, and that's the Mediterranean diet. Specifically in regard to its supposed anti-inflammatory benefits. So today I want to chat about what it means to promote anti-inflammation and whether or not this is a priority that dancers should be considering. So when it comes to anti-inflammation, there's so much that needs to be uncovered, especially in regard to food and what we often read as being lifestyle choices. Now, anti-inflammatory diets tend to be pretty appetizing for dancers for a host of different reasons, but specifically because of speculations surrounding the associations between inflammation and prolonged intense activity or exercise, which of course is what most dancers partake in. Specifically, those associations showing a particular increase in chronic low-lying levels of inflammation. But let's back up a little bit. I want to break down what exactly inflammation means, what the different types of inflammation are, and where food and nutrition really fits into this story. So inflammation in general is a bodily response to trauma or stress. Now I'm not talking about psychological stress, like from a stressful audition or the stress that you might experience in the time leading up to an audition. No, I'm talking about more physical related stress. So as an example, the stress of an injury, like a stress fracture. When it comes to the inflammatory process, we can really categorize this between two main types, acute inflammation and chronic inflammation. An acute inflammatory response, this is usually temporary and is often experienced following physical injury or infection, sickness, and even an adverse reaction such as to an allergy, whether it be an environmental allergy or a food allergy. Though oftentimes presenting with a lot of discomfort, the acute inflammatory response is actually quite helpful for our body, especially in regards to alleviating sickness, preventing the worsening of sickness or injury, and of course, throughout the healing process. But then there's another type of inflammation, and that's what we consider to be more chronic, low-grade inflammation. 
And unlike with acute inflammation, chronic inflammation is more prolonged. And this is where conversations surrounding lifestyle choices often come into play. The main reason for this is because chronic low-grade inflammation is often seen alongside the metabolic syndrome, a compilation of metabolic disturbances that are often seen alongside diseases like heart disease, diabetes, stroke, and other health problems. Chronic inflammation is also known to play a role in many autoimmune disorders, but here's the thing. We don't really know for sure if chronic inflammation is a symptom of these disease states or a risk factor for these disease states. And this is important when we start to think about how we're modulating lifestyle factors in order to promote the alleviation of chronic inflammation. So you can understand why both medical professionals and nutrition professionals like myself are, for lack of a better phrase, hungry to understand more about chronic inflammation and how we can help to alleviate it. Now, as I mentioned, in conversations surrounding inflammation, we often hear and talk about lifestyle choices. This could be anything from your diet, your exercise routine, smoking status, and other environmental factors that could impact your day in and day out choices like work environment and so forth. Over the years, a number of studies have presented associations between these various lifestyle factors and chronic inflammation. Some notable associations include physical inactivity and the implications that that might have on worsening chronic inflammation, smoking and its potential impact on increasing chronic inflammation, and even psychological stress, such as, as I mentioned, work environment and the role that this might have on worsening chronic low-grade inflammation. And then, of course, there's the conversation of food. Now, here's the thing, and we've spoken about this many times before, wellness and diet culture is notorious for cherry-picking information from the research in order to peddle restrictive lifestyles. And this is most common among conversations when we're talking anti-inflammatory diets. Heck, a quick Google search will bring up a plethora of articles that tell you what behaviors to perhaps reduce in order to help promote an anti-inflammatory lifestyle or behaviors to increase, such as certain foods to increase in your diet in order to help promote an anti-inflammatory lifestyle. And what I often see as a dietitian is the glorification of a lot of foods, specifically those foods that are deemed lesser processed and plant-based or whole, and on the contrary, the villainization of other foods and what are often deemed to be pro-inflammatory. Examples like processed meats or deli meats, processed foods made with refined sugars, foods that contain trans fats, such as baked goods. But here's the thing, are these foods really to blame for chronic low-grade inflammation? Because when we really dig into it, a lot of the articles that are presented on the internet and on social media definitely make it seem like our food choices have a direct role in our abilities to promote more anti-inflammatory behaviors. So to some, it can seem like reason enough to avoid many of these foods, but I wanna share some additional evidence that's gonna sway your opinion on this. Because while it's easy to fixate on these lifestyle choices, such as foods to avoid and perhaps exercises to increase, there's way more to consider if we really want to promote anti-inflammatory behaviors. 
First things first, I want you to know that weight cycling as a result of restrictive dieting is known in of itself to contribute to chronic low-grade inflammation. The same goes for, and as I mentioned earlier, intense physical activity. So this is often the reason we see the sports community and of course dancers take on to this idea of wanting to follow anti-inflammatory diets because some research does speculate that high and intense levels of exercise can contribute to that low-grade inflammation. But I also want you to think about this in the context of over-exercising. A common problem that I often see among dancers, especially those who struggle with disordered eating or attempting to manipulate their body's weight, shape, or size by partaking in behaviors like over-exercising. And last is weight stigma, a topic I've spoken about before and with the research showing us that those who experience stigma and oppression for being in a larger body are more prone to higher levels of stress. And that's not all. We also know that geographical and socioeconomic factors play a huge role in anyone's ability to obtain foods that are deemed fresher or lesser processed and therefore play a role in anyone's ability to support those anti-inflammatory lifestyle choices. And this is why I personally feel that anti-inflammatory diets overgeneralize nutrition recommendations. They glorify some foods, they villainize other foods, they create a recipe for, you guessed it, disordered eating. Now, arguably, this can have a very negative implication for those who are either at risk for disordered eating, such as the population I work with, dancers, or harm those who don't have the access to maintain the stringent rules and routines that even those anti-inflammatory diets set forth. Clean eating is a, for lack of a better phrase, perfect example of the anti-inflammatory rhetoric being utilized to peddle extreme regimented eating patterns. But we also see this in more subtler ways, such as with the Mediterranean diet. Now the Mediterranean diet has long been considered a gold standard in regards to supporting various health benefits. Just to back up a little bit, the Mediterranean diet prioritizes nutrient-dense foods. It's characterized as a diet high in minimally processed options like whole grains. It also usually consists of higher volumes of colorful fruits and veggies. Lean proteins like poultry and fish and tofu are often prioritized. The main fats in a Mediterranean diet come from most plant-based foods like avocados, nuts, seeds, but also fatty fish. And although not technically deemed to be off limits, Processed foods or foods that contain added sugars and trans fats, even foods rich in animal fats like butter and meats are often discouraged. Interesting side note, much of the Mediterranean diet resembles clean eating, but for most, it's often seen as a less extreme form of clean eating. And some even believe it to be more sustainable than most other diets out there. And I tend to agree with this, but we do still want to take context into consideration, and I'm going to talk about that soon. There's no doubt that many aspects of the Mediterranean diet are supported by long-standing and substantial research. 
So as an example, the health benefits of incorporating more unsaturated fats in your diets, fibrous complex carbohydrates, colorful fruits and veggies. We know that these foods alongside others do offer our bodies incredible nourishing benefits. But interestingly, much of the science that does surround the Mediterranean diet still tends to be quite limited and flawed. So it's important to consider this, especially when we want to remember that it's important to not fixate on any one type of anti-inflammatory diet or food when it comes to wanting to help alleviate chronic inflammation. And for those who struggle with disordered eating or are at higher risk for disordered eating, anti-inflammatory diets like the Mediterranean diet can still spiral into pretty restrictive food rules. So it's incredibly important that even if you want to learn about how to incorporate nutrient density into your food choices, that you do it in a way that doesn't involve the polarization of various foods, glorifying some foods and villainizing others. So how can we dancers really implement lifestyle choices that will help to alleviate inflammation without it spiraling into disordered eating habits? Well, I would suggest utilizing tools like food flexibility and gentle nutrition, both of which I cover in depth in my program, The Healthy Dancer, and subsequent program, Nourish the Healthy Dancer. We utilize gentle nutrition as a way to consider the nutrient density of our food choices, but only after we've first healed our relationships with food so that we're not struggling with subsequent feelings of food guilt and mealtime anxiety. The bottom line, rather than attempting to abide by any specific anti-inflammatory diet, I highly encourage that you work alongside a registered dietitian nutritionist who is further certified in working with disordered eating and intuitive eating to better support more sustained and prolonged practices in regards to your mealtimes. We can absolutely utilize nutrient density within our food choices, but it shouldn't ever be the only part in our food choices. We wanna take into account accessibility and preferences. We wanna consider the pleasure factor of our food. And most importantly, we wanna make decisions that feel supportive and not those that drive food guilt, which often is a result even when it comes to those more sustainable anti-inflammatory diets. To learn more, head over to the blog post where I dive deeper into both the research and the topic of how dancers can better consider the role of food and nutrition in their attempts to help alleviate chronic low-grade inflammation. I hope you found this video helpful, and if you did, please like it and hit the subscribe button so you can be first to know when I share new tips and new advice for dancers. Thank you.